Hello, this is Media Talk USA. I'm Jeff Jarvis. On this podcast, newspaper publishers get together at a not-so-secret meeting to talk about pricing. Uh-oh, call in the antitrust lawyers. Plus, the New York Times creates its first social media editor. Let's hope she can stop tweeting long enough for us to ask her a few questions. Facebook is like the backyard barbecue. Twitter it's just like the annual company retreat. It's not your party. Google does it again. Have they come up with the new news? Also. Welcome to the exciting season finale of The Tonight Show. I thought that applause was for us. Conan takes over from Leno, but how important is The Tonight Show in today's media environment? For that matter, how important are networks? And I want to speak generally about some reports I've witnessed over the past few years in the British media. I think if you do an even moderate Google search, <laughs> uh, uh, you're not going to find uh, many of these newspapers and truth within, say, 25 words of each other. The White House press secretary has a go at British newspapers. How dare he? Media Talk USA from GuardianAmerica.com and PaidContent.org. Welcome to June's Media Talk USA, the third edition, believe it or not, of the Guardian's Transatlantic podcast. I'm Jeff Jarvis, new media columnist for The Guardian, blogger, and journalism professor here at the City University of New York Graduate School of Journalism, where we're recording this. With me in the CUNY studio this month, I have John Fine and Laurel Toby. Laurel is a journalist, digital publisher, and entrepreneur. She's the founder of Media Bistro, the hugely influential website that keeps an eye on all things media and trains countless would-be scribes. On the other side of the table... John Fine is media columnist at Business Week and no stranger to studios because he's an on-air contributor to CNBC. And I might add a proud blogger at businessweek.com. Damn right. Uh, Laurel and John are husband and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Media. I shudder to think what your breakfast table conversations are like, each of you hidden behind the New York Times. Do you fight over the metro section? Oh, that's right. There isn't one anymore. <laughs> I think we fight over the A section, but normally we don't fight over because I just take it from her, basically. You know? <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, I the, take the business section out of his hands, though. They, they, these are on the days when we actually wake up at the same time, which normally doesn't happen. Laurel's an early Now birth, we're getting you know? into too much information here, We are John. getting yeah. into too much information. <laughs> All right. So, right. On to the first item on the agenda. Online news cartels. Media Talk USA. So, online news pricing and collaboration. Or is it collusion? Or is it a cartel? In a not-so-secret meeting at the airport hotel in Chicago, newspaper execs gathered to talk about the elusive revenue model for their online sites as the drumbeat to charge for content rises. At the meeting, organized by the Newspaper Association of America, a few companies pitched execs on methods to bring in money through subscriptions and micropayments. But the mere fact that figures in the industry held a confab to look at pricing raises the specter of antitrust which is why the group was careful to tell the world that they had an antitrust council present. I went and looked up the Federal Trade Commission's guidance on competition, and it says, quote, agreements of a type that always or almost always tends to raise price or to reduce output are per se illegal, end quote. Hmm. One wonders why they chose to get together when the companies pitching them on charging readers have already met with most of them. But one can take comfort in this. The last time I attended an industry meeting in that same hotel... It was to organize the ill-fated newspaper consortium, the New Century Network. How did that work out for you, Jeff? It didn't get anywhere near the New Century, John, because newspaper people are notoriously bad at playing nicely with each other. So, is this a sign of possible collusion worthy of an investigation by the FTC and the Justice Department? 
Or is it merely another sad sign of trying to milk a cash cow on its last legs? Is there any hope for charging? Is there any hope for papers? This is so exciting. I can't even tell you, Jeff. I've, I've been wanting them to do this for ages now, and I'm really heartened to see the newspaper people finally getting together and standing up for themselves. It's about time that they start talking and colluding. You think they should charge? I absolutely think they should have done this from the beginning. They were idiots. Five years ago when I went to the NAA conference and I approached some of the execs there and I said, how is Craigslist affecting your business? None of them had heard of Craigslist. Well, that's a different issue. Yes. The charging itself. Right. But they they should have been worried then. Five years ago, they should have been alert and aware and responsive. Worry, yes. But is charging the answer to that? Charging uh, takes money to, to, to go and, Absolutely. and market? These people are creating all the content that is used on television, that the anchors site, that everybody cites, that Google cites, that, that's on Google News. These are, the, these are the creators of the content, and they should finally, finally be paid for what they're creating. John, you've been foretelling the death of at least some papers. Is this the solution you think, too? Um, or think, do you yeah, disagree yeah. over the breakfast table? Uh, we, we do disagree over the breakfast table. You know, th- th- this is, uh, hatefully enough, this is a complicated situation. Number one, let's call it what it is. I mean, you know, newspapers do provide a great deal of the content that the world lives on. But I mean, in all honesty, if 60% of newspapers disappear tomorrow, you may not necessarily know that from what, from what is online. Um, if the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal disappeared, USA Today, that's a whole different story. But that has to do with, you know, kind of the our own media dietary habits. And more importantly, the dietary habits of the people that make all the decisions decisions of what gets covered. Um, That's number one. Number two, I think newspapers have to do this. Um, That said, it's not going to save them. It might save some of them. Isn't it also possible that all it's going to do is force readers to their free competitors? I've been talking about... What free competitors? competitors? What's free and competitive to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal? You tell me. What's even competitive to... What's competitive to the Denver Post? What's competitive to, you know, the Butte Tribune in Montana? What's competitive to the largest newspaper in Nebraska? A bunch of crap. A bunch of no-name crap. There are three or four local news sites of any size and scope doing anything of value. I mean, the idea that all these wonderful sites are going to come up, it really hasn't happened. There's a few of them. There's MinPost.com, you know, there's Voice of San Diego, but man, we can count these on two hands. And well, they've, been the added since, they've been added since 2005, Jeff. We've waited a long yeah, time. All right, so so this is 1954 one... in the life of television. It's the, it's the beginning. Yeah, but if they screw up a few stories... We'll get to television later. If they screw up a few stories and lose the credibility, everybody's going to go flocking back to things that are more credible, things with editors, things with editorial direction, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. But I see television stations. Television stations are smelling the carry-on, the dead flesh of newspapers, and they're circling around like buzzards, ready to swoop You've in. Been, you, you, you are so anxious to stick the fork in all these people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just, upsetting it's like, to me to see a former... You know, I think you have uh, some sour grapes to work out, dude. <laughs> oh, therapy now. Why don't you just say <laughs> that you used to work at the New York Times? Why don't you just admit it? I didn't work at the New York Times. Oh, where did you work? <laughs> Didn't you work at a newspaper? They didn't give me a job. Lots of newspapers, yes. Okay, so yeah. they didn't give you a job. All the worst. <laughs> so how did you feel about the New York Times not giving you a job, Jeff? And how's that affected? Yeah, let's the turn this of... around. To our friends in Britain, this is what life is like in New York. Uh, people talk about it as if they've just come from therapy, and they argue a lot and talk over each other. Oh, because like, no one in London goes to therapy. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no the, the Blair, the Blair Well, they have to to work all. out all their spanking issues. Well, the pro- I'll, I'll skip right by that. The problem with uh, <laughs> the Brits charging... Brits are laughing. That's a good sign. The problem with charging, isn't it, that you almost have to collude, that someone always ruins the party, uh, that if the Wall Street Journal is all paid, the New York Times is free, or, or somebody else, that... Uh, allows people to go to a competitor. You're talking about a number of local solutions and local issues. I think it would actually be kind of hard 
to prove antitrust collusion, number one, because what someone does in Denver doesn't really have any direct bearing on what someone does in, you know, Dubuque, Iowa or Seattle yeah. or, or Miami. We're ta- think, we, yeah. we have to look at this. You have to look oh, at newspapers as an aggregation of in hundreds of, of local businesses. In a web of links, everything yeah. is a link away. Sure, fine. But in local news, who cares? If you're in Denver, you don't care about the local news in New York. If you're in New Jersey, you don't care about the local news in Seattle. So, so Laurel, you charge for content. Yeah. A BD char- Bistro. Absolutely. We charge for whatever we can get. Uh, greedily. Yes. And it works. Yes, because pe- we provide stuff that actually people want to pay for because it helps their careers. But you're specialized. You have this yeah. knowledge about how to be a freelancer and make no money. Right. How to be a marketer, <laughs> yeah. how to be a photographer, how right. to make money. But news is knowledge. As soon as it's known, it's known. It's spread by the conversation. You can't really keep that behind a paywall, can you? GM is bankrupt. I know that. Am I going to go pay for one person's story for that versus another's? I'm not so sure. No, you're right. You won't. Uh Aha. You're talking about a national story. You're not talking about local stuff. And most newspapers are local stories. We know this. I mean, you know, once we get past the New York Times, which there's multiple copies sitting right here, um, and the Wall Street Journal, you know, I mean, we're talking about – when, when Laurel and I were going to these confabs, you talk to these lovely people, you know, these lovely guys that have grown up in newspapers in whatever small town in North Carolina or Idaho. They're all small town monopolists. I mean, God love them. They're, they're lovely people. They, but they all have were no clue. small, small to town monopolists. To be honest, in a lot of places they are because I'm not sure if, you, if, you have, if you're in the second biggest city in Idaho that there's eight things online competing for you. The local news is still relatively centralized in one place, and that's usually the newspaper. Yeah, and when I read local papers, though, I'm not sure there's a lot worth paying for there. The problem is— Well, I agree with that they've cut down and cut down and cut down, and they've tried to make their budget that way. So now the value of the property. And now at the same time, other point is they're raising prices. The New York Times today is going up to $2 on the newsstand. $2. I'm happily going to pay that. Yeah, I'm going to pay it, and I'll pay more. I'll give them a little bonus. I'll give them a donation, whatever it takes. I mean, here's the thing to think about hyper-local news sites. They're going to have to evolve the model. They're not going to be just news. They're going to be community again. They have to create a community feeling. They have to create some offline stuff, events, what have you. They're going to start getting getting the community um, vibe down, and they're going to get it right. And that's, to me, the future of local newspapers. So it's not just about news, Jeff. I think, you know, um, I know that many good Guardian readers gag at the mention of Rupert Murdoch's name, but, um, you know, Murdoch's idea of what is a newspaper goes far beyond news. I mean, you know, there's games, there's pictures, there's outrage. Um, Maybe that's not such an awful model. I mean, you know, once we look past how horribly a lot of his newspapers have been doing, you know, business-wise. But to look at the business model of where this is headed, I saw twice, I saw an editor from a certain magazine I won't name talk about charging content. And part of the rationale was, well, we're not selling all our ads anyway, so we might as well. I saw the discussion about charging more from newspapers. Well, we're not selling as many ads, so we might as well. I, I get the feeling that what we're seeing here is the last milk the cash cow death throw of newspapers here rather than investing in the future, yes. If, if that's the attitude, you're absolutely what right. Is, what is the they're, future? They're being uncreated. The I future mean, is what I'm talking about. Sure. Creating stuff future. that people care about, that fe- makes them feel connected to each other is in their community. Is that future going to support a newsroom of 200 people in a medium Maybe not city. a newsroom, but some other kind of room. John, I talked to an editor recently who had a, a newsroom of 300 people, and he admitted that when you cut out the copy editors, the production people, the this, the that, the, the, the movie critics that already exist, that maybe 50 people created journalism original journalism of note. Okay. Newsrooms don't have to be 300 people anymore. And that newsroom of 50 could work with a network of 5,000 people in a metro area. Right. It's not just news anymore. We're going to have to wait and see how some of the online-only efforts are going before we really know this, like with Seattle, with MinPost.com. I mean, all those are still losing money. Rather than wait and see, we got to build more of them so we learn more. You guys are missing the point. The whole point is community. They have to figure out what other things their local community wants from them, whether it's 
book night, you know, at the local coffee shop, organized by the newspaper or whatever you want to call this new thing, whether it's, you know, a career fair, whatever. I mean, and people will pay for this stuff that's in their community that makes them feel connected to each other and to the paper or entity. I think, I think that's brilliant. I mean, that actually goes back to the Murdoch idea, alone a very different thing, where the newspaper isn't just the newspaper. It really isn't the newspaper. It's a bunch of stuff. And parenthetically, Jeff, one day you and I are going to talk about this insane hatred you have of movie critics. I mean, I, I just don't get it, you know? I employed a lot of the entertainment weekly. It has something to do with that, actually, yes. Uh, Well, for more on this newspaper story, go to paidcontent.org, affiliated with The Guardian. And take the hard work out of listening to this fun fest. Set up your free subscription to this podcast. All the details can be found at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalkusa. That is until The Guardian starts charging for it. (laughs) Media Talk USA with Jeff Jarvis. Still to come in this podcast, the man with silver hair hands over to the redhead. 70, you know, you realize when I started this show, my hair was black and the president was white. Did you know that? <laughs> Who could have predicted this? The New York Times isn't just tweeting and blogging and quoting blogs no longer with sneers, but now it has a social media editor. Jennifer Preston, an editor at the Times, is now their digital doyen, the equivalent of what? A Walmart greeter? She's been on the job only a week, but I asked her, what is this job? What are her social duties? Well, as social media editor, my job will be to work with our journalists across the newsroom to explore how we can expand the use of social media sites and platforms to improve our journalism and to extend it. Of course, as is reflex, I went on Twitter to ask what questions I should ask you, and I got a few in. Uh, Jessica Stahl uh, wants to know whether the priority is more to engage the existing audience or to find a new audience. Well, I think uh, that the opportunities are are limitless. When I began this job, I made it clear to uh, to everyone and to the social media community that I'm new to social media. So what I did in my first tweet is to ask a question. How can the New York Times use Twitter more effectively? One question I put to my Facebook group last week, much smaller than my Twitter group, was... When should we mix the personal with the professional? I think that's a question that many journalists um, have as they begin to experiment with social media. What kind of advice did you get? Well, I got a fabulous uh, piece of advice from one of my colleagues, um, a new media professor, Du Lin Tu, at Columbia. I teach with, with Du up at Columbia in the new media department. And Du said, Facebook is like the backyard barbecue. Twitter, it's just like the annual company retreat. It's not your party. And that, I thought, was very wise advice. So, yes, are there areas that we need to uh, be mindful of? And, um, and, and are there questions to ask so that we can use these social media sites in the smartest way? Um, to use them in the most effective way? Absolutely. But I don't think fear is is among the things to be concerned about. So the Times is blogging. Um, It has multimedia journalism. Uh, Journalists there are tweeting. Uh, We here at City University of New York are working with the Times on the local, uh, the hyper-local blog. What's next? 
I mean, just what we do with interactive graphics and maps alone is is just fantastic. Just a couple of weeks ago, my last project was working on uh, the mortgage foreclosure crisis here in the New York metropolitan area. And what we did was we were able to identify every mortgage foreclosure in the New York metro area and map it over time. And just the results were uh, were were amazing. And that's that's what's going on in newsrooms today. We just keep on hearing, Jeff, you know, that the debate is framed with newspapers are dying, newspapers are dying. Well, newsrooms are not dying. Newsrooms are just hotbeds of just creativity and enthusiasm and passion to just tell stories in all sorts of different ways. That was Jennifer Preston, the new social media editor of The Times. She's been on the job a big five days, but what do you think her prospects are, Laurel? I think her prospects are okay, but I think The Times is going at this in a completely bass-ackward way. Um, I think they have to stop looking at themselves as a newspaper, stop thinking of themselves as providers of journalism, okay, and start thinking of themselves as uh, as a as a as an organizer of other thinkers, of other influencers, of tastemakers, and as community organizers, basically both online and offline, they um, they she talked about how she wanted to use this as a way to improve and extend journalism. Well, that's lovely, but what we, what they really need to do is talk to their users, their readers, their community more, and find out about more people, more things that people but, uh, want. But should we give them some credit? They're they're blogging. They have a blogging voice that I wouldn't it's imagine for the Times. They also just started the local in Brooklyn and in New Jersey to enable the community to report on itself and create a platform for that. You know, with all the, I think she's right, with all of the hoo-ha about newspapers dying and people love to shoot at the Times, they've actually gone farther than I thought they could. We also should look at how they've done online. I mean, their online site is pretty damn formidable. I mean, and the, the traffic is sick. Yeah, it's but it's still only about news. Yeah, well, guess what? I mean, if, if news makes you, you know, what I don't even know what the figure is, 20 million uniques, 30 million uniques, if this is the top newspaper in the United States, and I'll say the world, you know, our, our British listeners, um, and it's got some of the best journalists working, you know, then then yeah. why, why do you need to pivot but from that? I'm you just need to make it make a dollar from it. I'm saying product. go further. Colla- she talks about collaboration, but she's holding colla- the collaborators at arm's length in a way. Um, you've got to involve the the people more. You've got to have more offline events, more Times talks around the world, more book groups around the world under the umbrella of the Times, more panels and discussions and things that bring people into the Times in different ways. And also asking people what they want from the data that the Times can provide. I love this example of the mapping of the New York foreclosures. They need to do more of that data um, processing to provide things that people will pay for. That's valuable. I actually think that the Times probably does more credit, more stuff online than they get credit for just because they put up so much stuff on a daily basis. Yes, yeah, stuff. But do they organize it and package it well, and can, sell how can it? You, how can you, you organize? Can. How can you organize something effectively when you are a massive international news operation, domestic news operation, local operation? Plus, you go deep into verticals like film, culture. Arts, well, figure food. Out. You know, then you have then you have all the individual blogs. Then you have all those great Google's. You know, yeah, like, it's a like big project. Nobody's saying it's not a big project, but you've got to narrow it down to what what do the people want. I think this goes back to Google needs to buy the New York Times, and you know, yeah, Google should buy the New York welcome Times. Welcome to breakfast at the fine Toby household. <laughs> In breaking news, as this is being recorded, the Guardian itself is following suit. Meg Picard has now been appointed the head of social media development. Meg, by the way, is by background an anthropologist, which is just what we need to understand this strange new culture online. 
And of course, we are ahead of the game when it comes to social networking. You can join our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. Search both platforms for Media Talk USA. And uh, twitter.com backslash John Fine, J-O-N-F-I-N-E. Or Laurel Toby, L-A-U-R-E-L-T-O-U-B-Y. Media Talk USA, from The Guardian and paid content. So, quick fire section now, lightning round. Just a short discussion about some recent media headlines. First, Time Warner and AOL demerge. The U.S. media giant is to buy back Google's 5% stake in AOL and focus on its television, film, and, at least for now, publishing operations. John, go. Well, <laughs> the, the thing the thing that is just really delightful about Time Warner for anyone who watches the company is that it takes them so long to get something done. This is something they've been kind of signaling for, I would say, over two years now. And, like, they finally did it. And I give them credit, uh, you know, in that when they did it, they did it quickly. But it's like the way a story, the way a strategy develops at Time Warner is that they think about doing something. Then they either leak a story or they release a statement that says, we think about doing this. Then six months later, there's an earnings call where they say, OK, we're officially thinking about doing this. And then a year after the initial leak, maybe they're saying, like, we are, in fact, officially doing what we said we were thinking about doing. And in six months, we'll be done doing it. Having worked there, that's exactly how the place operates. It's ruled it by like task the government. Isn't that the way the government does things? They leak stuff to see if it's going to fly. Yeah, and then... somewhat, somewhat. It was somewhat. almost sad to see Steve Case, uh, who created this merger on Twitter, uh, looking at its downfall, saying, well, gee, they never found the synergy. I don't think they ever figured out how to spell it. As, and as he was being fanned with uh, people holding $1,000 bills, I think. So I don't, I don't, know, I don't, know, I don't know how much uh, how much sympathy we need to have. In full disclosure, I still own my Time Warner stock, which proves I'm an idiot and a bitter one. Next, hyperlocal blogs. Is this finally the future? As well as trying to get a footing everywhere in the world, The Guardian goes the other way and begins a political and cultural blog of London. The New York Times has The Local. The Chicago Tribune has started a local blog aggregator. Are we finally seeing the birth of my beloved hyperlocal? Jeff, you and your goddamn, like, dawn of the age of the hyperlocal blogs. I mean, I've been hearing about this from you for five freaking years now. I mean, I think I wrote about this when you were still at, um... At Newhouse, uh, you know, yes, people are going to do small, hyperlocal blogs. No, they don't seem to have really replaced the local newspaper. Um, not that the local newspaper is necessarily great. Yes, this should keep happening. Um, no, it still hasn't been a big deal yet, and a lot of people that have tried it have not made it work well, out. Jeff, I'm very excited at this prospect. I, I have to say, I congratulate you for predicting this years ago, and I'm totally behind this. And I think this is the right move for the newspapers to put their umbrella brands around blogs. This is finally happening. I'm thrilled to death. Next, Google plans to enter the commercial ebook business this year. Unlike Amazon, it apparently plans to let publishers set the prices. Laurel? I think Google should run for president. I really do. I, I think they do everything right. They do everything right, like the TV ad thing they did right, and the so print what? ad thing you know, right, and the radio ad thing. You're just a They're doubter. Human. You're a doubter. They are human. human. Google is human, and they should run for. They should run the world. I'm really happy. Don't with they Google. already? That's the most deranged thing I've heard in well, my entire in life, fact. without question. That's they the craziest thing ever. They do everything right. What do you okay? How much time do you spend on Orcut? How much how much of your social networking do you do on Orcut? How many print ads did you buy with their great print ads product? You know how much media stuff have they actually done? They, ah, don't, they just put stuff around. Funny it. you should say that because the next topic is exactly that. I think we have seen the future of news, and it is Google Wave. Wave sounds really exciting. Shh. Last week, Google released Wave, which is an amazing tool. It's really hard to describe. You have to watch an hour and 20-minute video on Google to understand it. But it's a combination of email, collaboration, Twitter, 
wikis, it's every toy we love thrown into one toy box. And it's a dessert and a floor cleaner, too. I think it's really exciting, but it needs to go offline as well. You need to be walking around in your way for it to really work. Well, I think what really happens here is that if you can imagine five reporters on a big story able to contribute news, able to ask each other things, assign each other things, put in photos, uh, uh, correct each other in real time with witnesses, and then publish that to a web page and alert people on Twitter. I think it's the future of news. I really do. But I'm really serious about this. I think we need to be walking around in our waves. We need to be in virtual reality I, all the so time. So you're, you're, you're going for like a Google mind control product? I'm really confused. N- no, now, I mean, now, now we feel the next craziest thing she said. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, with those new glasses that they've developed that you can see virtual reality. Oh, my virtu- God. God. R- no, virtual no, no, reality. With the, not with the virtual reality yeah, glasses. Yeah, I'm into the virtual reality, reality glasses. Soon they'll be able to implant it in, right into your eyeballs. And I think your whole reality will be different basically because of Google. Are, are you trying to piss me off? I mean, are you trying to get a rise out of me? No, I think we should talk about the real future. That is going to happen. You're terrifying me. I mean, really. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who you are. Therapy next. Okay, this is, More you know what? Fun. In five years, everyone's going to be looking back at this podcast and saying, wow, she really had vision. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea what to say. For more on these stories and a therapy session with the fine Toby household, go to mediaguardian.co.uk. Media Talk USA. After 17 years at the desk, Jay Leno has handed over the reins of NBC's Tonight Show. I, I just want to say I couldn't be happier. You were the only choice. You were the perfect choice. You have been an absolute gentleman in private Conan and in the, in, in the press. I agree. Conan rocks. Good luck next week, my friend. Jay, thank you for everything. All the best. His departure can't come soon enough for me. I always thought that David Letterman should have had this job. Leno took over from the American institution Johnny Carson, who'd done it for 30 years, and now Conan O'Brien is taking over from Leno. I keep hearing over and over, because I've done about 800 interviews in the last three days, and all I keep hearing over and over again, which is a compliment to this man, big shoes to fill. You got big shoes to fill. So how relevant is this form anymore? For that matter, with NBC throwing in the towel at 10 o'clock, how relevant is primetime in the network anymore? One of the endless fascinating things to me is... um, the tenacity with which uh, primetime television in America holds on to a great deal of ad dollars. I wrote a column a few months ago that basically said, when all is said and done at the end of the year, um, television will have a greater share of the ad pie than they did at the beginning of the year. Other stuff is declining faster. Advertisers stick with this stuff. Um, it may not Because they're lazy and like one-stop shopping, and they're paying more for less. Well, they are, but guess what? They're still doing it. I mean, you know, we can, and we can argue about whether that's the right thing or wrong thing, but I mean, they still believe that I need to get 8 million people at once. This is the way to do it. Also, this is America. This is where people like being on television. You cannot overstate the ego involved with stuff like this. True on that, but the, but the mass media buying, we, we, we've gotten out of the era of the industrial era, pardon me for going up a little altitude in here, we're out of the industrial era of mass production, mass distribution, and mass media. I'm not a mass, damn it, are you? And to buy us still as masses is incredibly inefficient, and I predict the next ones to go in this avalanche from Google are ad agencies. They're idiots. Um, well, I guess we'll have to see if that happens. There's actually been no sign of that happening whatsoever. I mean, people don't want to do this stuff directly. I mean, if you're running a company and you have a 200 or $500 million budget, you're not going to want to spend half your time, you know, making the decisions that you're jobbing out to somebody else. Yeah, and but, by the way, Google can't do this. They couldn't do TV. They couldn't do radio. They couldn't do print. Touché. I mean, it is but, still all there. But, and I'm sorry, let me just make one last point, sweetie, if I may. Um, 
the late night talk Don't call shows. Me sweetie. The late night talk shows this year. <sighs> I'll actually, call him sweetie. Uh, okay, you're you're both just darling, darling individuals. But the late night talk shows this year have done very well. They're holding on to audience really well. Audience has actually gone up, particularly with young men. Um, this is a form that seems to stick around. I think we're going to see, like, you know, the last gasps of TV are going to be morning news shows, at least in America, morning news shows and late-night comics. But this is where media planning comes into play. Do you know what media planning is? Uh, yes, I do know what media planning is. <laughs> it's where people really concentrate and focus on what the demographics are of different audiences, and they help you select your media. So you don't have to do it yourself. Um, I think that's an ad agency function. No, actually, it's been separated from the ad agencies. They're trying to pull it back okay, in. Okay, but it's, it's, a very it's an valuable. agency function. It's not. Yeah. I mean, companies don't want to spend all their time doing that. If you're running Procter and Gamble right. and you're trying to figure out how to get, you know, six cents more out of Walmart, you're not going to want to spend half your time working on your media plan. No, but that's why I think media planners will always be around because they are useful. Okay, but then there still is an agency. There, there, there's still something. No, outside it could of be. It could be a newspaper putting together a network of I don't know hyperlocal bloggers. Yeah. <laughs> On that, now that we're back on you. local, yes. now that we're back on local, let's yeah. talk about the fate of local stations. Uh, from our Facebook wall comes this question from Will Robinson. It's about the low rating for local TV news programs with news staff cuts, ESPN, and the weather channel weather.com. Are the local TV newscasts the next domino to fall after newspapers? I spoke with an exec of a TV company last week who said that as recently as three years ago, the multiples for TV stations were 15 times earnings, and now it's down to two or three. Wow. Uh, we talk a lot about newspapers because newspapers talk about newspapers, but what's going to happen with the local TV station? Is that still a good business? Well, it's a terrible business, and it's a terrible business for the same reason that newspapers are a terrible business. The advertising has just gone away. Um, local TV stations, more so then the local newspaper are really dependent on car advertising. And as we know in America, you know, particularly the American car makers, not such a good time right now. Um, Chrysler, GM, both in bankruptcy. Um, Chrysler might be out of bankruptcy pretty soon, but no matter what, this is, they, they have to adjust really painfully and really, really quickly to a much smaller world, many fewer dealers, many fewer people buying ads, and that just basically screws them. Uh, here's what the newspaper guys were talking about in that hyper-secret local meeting. They were talking about buying up local TV stations again. Oh, boy, that's horrifying. Who wants, <laughs> who wants to own in, in either? In that case, they're really dead, you know? Well, <laughs> if they join forces, I mean, who knows? I mean, well, maybe they could survive you, You're way. talking about two different products, and, like, I don't think you really take out that many costs of, the, of an operation if you do that. I don't think you can really get rid of that many people. And, I mean, you know, the newspaper still have more bodies. Most people who work in newsrooms, you kind of don't want to see them on television, if you know what I mean. Ooh, that's why we're on it's radio true. today. That's, that's why, why we're on all radio. on radio today. Or this crazy internet web thing, cast, pod whatever, my face, you face, I... Virtual work. reality yes, as you walk. Reality, yes. All right. Finally, for this month's podcast, the White House is going to war with the British press. How dare they? Instead of answering a question about photos reportedly showing the abuse of Iraqi prisoners, Press Secretary Robert Gibbs made this surprising criticism. I want to speak generally about some reports I've witnessed over the past few years in the British media. Let's just say if I wanted to look up, if I wanted to read a write-up today of how Manchester United fared last night in the Champions League Cup, I might open up a British newspaper. If I was looking for something that bordered on truthful news, I'm not entirely sure it would be the first stack of clips I picked up. Ouch! Gibbs then took another swipe. Quote, I think if you do an even moderate Google search, you're not going to find many of these newspapers and truth within, say, 25 words of each other. 
So even the White House has dumped the dead tree format in favor of Google News. I'm trying to figure out what a moderate Google search is, actually. <laughs> that's, really, that's really the one thing I want to do an immoderate yeah, Google well, search. I'm only interested in the immoderate search results. Um, well, you know, what, what, what can we say? You know, a press secretary is attacking the press. Um, and I mean, there's much more upside in him attacking the British press because if the British press attacks him. You know, it may not really care that much. They don't vote in America, you know. Also, you know, the last time America really, you know, picked a fight with Britain, it worked out pretty well, for America at least, so. Ooh. Ooh. So, we've come to the end of another podcast. We hope there'll be a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot thank John Fine and Laurel Toby enough for coming in, Business Week, Media Bistro, respectively, and uh, had a lot of fun. And uh, I want you to record your breakfast conversation tomorrow morning, and it's a podcast. <laughs> and uh, perhaps someone actually made it through listening to the entire thing. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, thank you if you did. So this podcast was produced by producer Andy Duckworth and recorded in the studios of the City University of New York Graduate School of Journalism. Don't forget to add your comments and harassments to our blog at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalkusa. Make sure you subscribe there, too, so you don't miss next month's edition, which will be uploaded the first week of July. I'm Jeff Jarvis. Thanks for listening. Media Talk USA from GuardianAmerica.com and PaidContent.org. For five freaking years. Let me read the <laughs> intro. Always with Hold the that. hyperlocal blogs. Hold that. Do, do that again. Do that again. Let me read the fucking intro right. <laughs> and, then, and then you can do that, all right? Is he always, is he always this nervous? No. <laughs> no, you're making me nervous. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. It We're, is. Oh, the We're energy. Nervous? No, the energy in here is way It's your high. drugs. It's your drugs. With me in the studio at CUNY this month, I have John Fine and Laurel Toby. Hi. Toby. 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 <laughs> Toby. You got it. Toby. I you got it right. You are so fired. Jeez. <laughs> Toby, Toby. Yeah, you got it right, dude. With me in the studio this month, I have John Fine and Laurel Tooby. Toby! God, you are so... <laughs> You're so dead. You said it would take a half Listen, an hour. You didn't say the intro would take a half an hour. Toby, Toby, Toby. Why do you have the U in there? If you got the word of the U, it would be clear. Tabachnikova. It's to- Russian. Aha. Uh-huh. I thought it was Ukrainian. Whatever. Okay. Leno took over from the American institution Johnny Carson, who'd done it for 30 years, and now Conan O'Brien is taking over from Lennon. Lennon. Good, Jeff. Good, good, good. John Lennon. Yeah, the fifth Beatle. Once, instead of being blamed for killing papers, those behind the search engine have actually tried to find a way to help. No, that's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. You guys, there's going to be virtual sex, too. You don't know about that, there do you? Is. Oh, now this there is going way too far. No, no, where you wear, like, a, a sleeve. That, 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 that's already... That's, and you can that, feel that, that it pulsing I mean, inside you of you. You can buy the dolls. I mean, it's you know, I hope you're taping this. I hope you're not taping this. <laughs>